On today's episode of Rice, we'll be reviewing the international smash hit, Detective Chinatown, plus debating trending topics including hashtag stop Asian hate, non-fungible tokens, whatever the hell those are, and Chris Delia. What up, what up, worldwide Asians, and welcome to Rice, Asian comedy podcast, where we share the Asian perspective on entertainment, culture, and trending topics. We are, we are recording this episode live on Sunday, February 21st. Um, I'm your um, I'm your host, Vong Show, official spokesperson for Gay Super Cute Asians, and on our panel today, we've got the lovely Veronica Antipolo. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and the extra feline, uh, ferocious feline himself, Leonard Chan. <laughs> um, okay, so let's, we've got so many topics this week that I just want to jump straight into our first hot topic. And uh, this hot topic, or 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 actually uh, this segment, I'm going to call, it's about damn time, bitches. And this is about the hashtag Stop Asian Hate um, is a finally trending. Uh, this is about ever since the start of COVID, Asian hate crimes that have been reported are up 1,900%. 1,900%. I feel like we've covered it so many times on this podcast, and nobody has been hearing us. Like, it's crazy what's happening. I'll just list off some of, like, the lowlights of this ridiculousness. On uh, on January 28th, this is of this year, an 84-year-old got killed in San Francisco, on February 4th, just a few weeks ago, a father was robbed and shot while walking with his wife and toddler in Los Angeles. And of course, the one that sparked this way at the beginning that I could not believe was not getting international press attention was last year um, in like March or April, near the start of the pandemic, there was an Asian family who was stabbed. And this includes a two-year-old. They stabbed a goddamn two-year-old because they were Asian and thought they were going to get infected. I don't know how stabbing a two-year-old um, immunizes you. Is that the new vaccine? Like, this is ridiculous. They also stabbed a six-year-old. And, like, nobody's been talking about this shit. Nobody's paying attention. But finally, for some weird reason, finally, a year later... Hashtag stop Asian hate is trending. Um, a lot of Asian superstars have been sharing it on their social media. People are finally starting to talk about it. And this is a really, really big issue. I know in Canada, we've had like a few videos trending. I know there are like those two girls who were um, who were like yelling crazy racist shit at an Asian um, at an old Asian guy on the subway. So, you know, it has trended a bit, but not as much as it should have. Um, but I'm going to open up to our panelists now and just sort of get your thoughts on how does it feel that there's finally some attention for these um, elderly Asians getting attacked, other people getting friggin' stabbed. Um, let's go to uh, Veronica first. Well, um, you know what? I, I feel like Asians are usually the model minority, maybe East Asians more than any of the other Asians. But I just feel like, the reason nobody ha is saying anything until now is that because of that model minority stereotype and they think that we're going to be passive about it, but it's, there's, it's 
the the crimes are ridiculous. Like the people just walking up to people and slashing people in the face. It's just first of all the ignorance that is uniting all the other races to turn against Asians. That's not beautiful. That's just stupid. It, it just it just perpetuates every racist thing ever. And I don't know. It's just sad that it's taken this long to get any attention. I. I am thankful. I know we've had a couple of incidents in Canada, but I, I feel like we don't have it as bad as down uh, down with our neighbors, the U.S. Um, and I'm grateful to be up here. I'm actually, at this time, grateful to be a darker-skinned Asian, if I'm honest. I feel like a tiny bit safer. I'm wearing my hair curlier every day because I'm like, don't touch me, please. But no, just honestly, like just stop already like we're just moving our hate from one race to another to another to another it's all the same all the same shit needs to stop yeah leonard what what are, what are your thoughts have you been keeping up with this stop asian hate movement uh, or the different hate crimes going around yeah man i've been talking about it for a while like on all my online shows every zoom since the beginning of the pandemic i've been talking about it um you know, it's, and yeah, like, I mean, I get people have their own shit and they don't, you know, and I know people are angry because they're blaming Asians for this, which again is ridiculous. Um, yeah, no, I mean, there's a joke that I've been saying <laughs> where it's it's so frustrating that uh, that people, you know, like if people, like it doesn't, doesn't make sense that there's this violence against Asians because if people are racist enough to assume that all Asians are responsible for coronavirus and they're willing to attack us over it, then they should also be racist enough to assume that all Asians know martial arts and will kill you with their fucking pinkies. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. And like, and all the stabbing, it's like, come on, man. Do you not know how coronavirus is transmitted through oh airborne mm -hmm. respiratory droplets? All right. It's not just saliva. It's, you know, blood counts. <laughs> I, it really is interesting, you know, like, I I think race is just a complicated matter, and sometimes people lump Asians in with white people and say that mm -hmm. we don't really face racism, and, you know, this has been happening more on, like, the HR side, like, I know with, when, when Facebook or Google releases their diversity reports, they put the Asians in with the white people and then put all the other minorities separate, so there has been this movement to, like, um, to take away the Asian experience of racism, which is, like, super obnoxious. Um, you know, also, like, with the whole Harvard thing where it, it's actually easier to get into Harvard if you're white than if you're Asian or Jewish. Um, so it's just, like, this whole thing of it's, huh. like, it's annoying enough growing up um, and facing an unequal society. But then now for people to come out and say that, like, Asians don't face racism. It's just, it's obnoxious. I, I, I is, yeah, I, I, ugh, you know, I'm, I'm not being very like cogent. I don't even know if that's a word. I'm so frustrated with this whole situation. Like, I, I don't know how much more to say it, but, but it's like it, a two year old got stabbed. A two year old got stabbed and it didn't make, international news it didn't make barely local news like i only got it because like other asians were sending it to me like and we all know 
that if that was like a white baby getting stabbed, a two-year-old white baby getting stabbed, like give me a break. Give me especially if it's a little blonde girl. Come on now. This is crazy. It just sends the message that you can um you can just be heating on Asians and then tell them that they don't face racism. Um and then, you know, I the other thing I want to say too is like words matter. You know, a lot of this did come not totally from Donald Trump, but he certainly didn't help things with his Kung flu and China virus and all that stuff. Then also in Canada, you know, with like Brian Adams and his whole thing blaming um, Chinese people eating bats and stuff. It just, none of it helps. And words matter because then crazy people will take those words and go around and stab people and push them into subways. And it's, I don't know, people, like, hashtag stop Asian hate. I, I just I just want to, like, end this on a hopeful note that, you know, it is getting attention now. So that's that's better than better late than ever. And uh, if, 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 if you want to help, um, you know, th- there are a few things. Uh, the stop Asian hate movement um, has been pushing out things you can do to help. First is, you know, end the model minority myth. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of different Asians with a lot of different experiences. Like me, I grew up in the ghetto, so no, I'm not one of those rich Asians. <laughs> so please, Torontonians, stop telling me that I don't face racism because I'm like some rich Hong Kong Asian. Like that is not yeah, what's okay. going on here. Um, Paul grew up in the ghetto. If you think he ha- if you think he hasn't stabbed a white baby, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like he has stabbed babies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the other thing you can do is volunteer or donate. Um, you could also help to support Asian businesses like restaurants and different things. Their revenue's really gone down because people have been blaming Chinese food. <laughs> and so uh, And yet, like when the virus went to Italy, nobody was nobody stopped ordering pizza. So yeah, like right. you know, fuck all y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then finally, you know, amplify Asian artists and voices. So basically, I'm saying to like subscribe to our podcast and share it to people um, <laughs> because that's really helpful. And then finally is to speak up. So, you know, I, I really do like this uh, Stop Asian Hate movement. I will say the full movement is called uh, uh, um, Stop Asian and Pacific Islander Hate. Um, but like the hashtag didn't work out as catchy. So they're just going with Stop Asian Hate. But yes, Pacific Islanders, um, let's let's count them in as well for this um okay now that i've done that uh that uh diatribe let's move on to our next hot topic and um this segment i like to call that's worth what and this one is about this crazy non-fungible token stuff um you know everything from i know i'm gonna get this name wrong but nba shot top NBA Top Shot. Yeah, NBA Top Shot is trending. Also, um, also a Neon Cat sold for three hundred ether over the weekend, and that is six hundred thousand dollars for a digital cat. Um, Neon Cat is a meme from I think two thousand eleven that has been resurrected, and um, you know artists are selling this on places like uh, Rarible and Foundation. Um, and I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go uh, uh, straight to our our expert here on the panel, Leonard. Um, what is going on with these non fungible tokens? How on earth are people paying more than half a million dollars for Neon Cat? And what on earth is NBA Top Shot? 
Uh, it's crazy, man. Okay, so just so you know what an NBA uh, Top Shot is, or what a non-fungible token is. A non-fungible token is a unique address on the blockchain, which can then be uh, associated with unique things, like they're uh, as opposed to a fungible token. So anyways, um, there's... <laughs> It's essentially all it is. It's it's collectibles, man. It's just digital oh. collectibles. So like it's like you know like baseball cards, basketball cards, yeah. Pokemon cards, all that shit. It's the same thing. It's just online. It exists oh. only online. But and I know people like have a hard time wrapping their head around it. They're like, but, but I don't have a thing. I don't have a physical thing. How is it worth anything? You know what? This is the this is the future, man. Like nothing has to be physical anymore. It also like I mean if you just look at. DLCs from video games, people buying like armor that does nothing, but they're spending thousands of dollars so they have cool looking armor in a game. Mm. This, I mean, like kids are spending thousands of dollars on virtual goods. So why should this be any different? So NFTs, huge next wave. Like, honestly, I got it. I was buying some NBA Top Shots last week and I was thinking, uh, I think I, I think this is like the peak. Like, there's no way. And then I saw a few things. I was like, $30? That's a lot for this top shot. That same card, literally three days later, is worth $600. So I'm oh like, my God. I fucked up. I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up buying a few things. But like, yo, like the amount of money, you know, like mm. that's out there is insane. Like people, A, it's crypto, right? So like in crypto currency, like the money is just crazy. Like I have a friend who bought 19 T-shirts Tokens that you could exchange for T-shirts, which are probably worth nothing. He bought 19 of them at $40, $42 a piece, and then 20 minutes later sold that for $20,000. Oh, wow. my God. Wow. Wow. Right? It's insane. It's insane, the amount of money. Um, so if you care about money and want to lose it really fast, this is a way to do it. Wow. <laughs> I thought it was to do with mushrooms. I was like, what? Fungi fungibility? Oh. What? <laughs> um, yeah, man. But like these cards, because it's like NBA, like, so you're, so the NBA top shot, you're not buying players, you're buying moments. So it's like, you're buying like Kawhi's game seven winner, you know, mm -hmm. like, although that's not even out yet, but like that would be worth an insane amount of money. So, the, and these pack drops are like really hard to get, you know, like, but like just as an example, like I bought a pack that was worth fourteen dollars, and in a week, the the cards that are in that pack are now worth six hundred dollars. Wait, how do you collect them? So they're okay. So obviously they're like digital or electric. Like, where are they on a card? Is it just like stored on There's your hard nothing drive? Nothing physical. It's literally all. You just go to, have to go to nbatopshot.com, and then that's the only place you can see your shit. It's crazy, and yet. The market is bananas huge. Like somebody bought mm. a LeBron James when he dunked, like did the same, the Kobe dunk. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. $100,000. No way. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Is it like for kids, like can kids buy stuff? Like how, yeah, how sure. would they price? If kids want to buy stuff, they absolutely can. But this <gasps> stuff, it is not cheap. Like there are still cars that are worth like $10, whatever. Like in my, like my pack, the $14 pack I bought, I probably got, like, the least valuable cards possible in that pack. And I still ended up, wow. uh, well, I sold one early because I was like, I, when it hit, like, 200 I was like, sure, 200 that's great for, like, basically a $3 card. It mm. keeps going. Like, I, that's probably, like, a $1,000 mistake, like, right there. Like, I did not know how insane it was going to be. Wow. 
like I, another friend of mine, he bought one fourteen bucks. That pack is now worth fourteen hundred. But he also got like the two most valuable cards possible of of like the fifty card, like one hundred and twenty cards that you could get. He got like the two most valuable ones of the five. So mm. it's yeah, it's so he got really lucky. But like that's how much. It's just nuts. It's nuts. It's the wave of the future, though. So uh, okay, so you're buying moments. Well, in, in this particular case, yeah. But like, there's there's hash masks, which are just like art. There are crypto kitties, which are unique cats that are associated with uh, NFT. Now they're selling memes. There's a literal meme economy now. So Nyan Cat, as Vong said, went for three hundred ether, which is oh my god, six hundred sixty thousand so Canadian. Money. <laughs> it's nuts. But it where's does. the fun? Where's the fun in it? I remember at recess, all the boys would be trading like their hockey cards. Like, what do you say? Like, got it, got it, need it. Like, so where? Yeah, but they do this all. But here's the thing: like, kids are playing like Pokemon. They're trading Pokemon on their phones. So why can't they trade? Do the same thing here? Like, everything is digital, and they all have phones, so they all have access to the to, the, to show people. And especially like all of these kids, like they're especially now during pandemic like the only place they can hang out with their friends is online so where yeah. do you want to flex mm-hmm. online so that's where well, they find all this stuff right i and- mean if i'm gonna buy a moment <laughs> that sounds like valentine's day to me to be honest you're buying a moment uh, yeah I, I i feel like it, like this <laughs> I, I feel like there, there's there's two really interesting things here i think one is more you know, like like the mainstream or the older generation, I think is going to have difficulty understanding this because economics has always been taught as um, as a, as a supply versus demand, and I don't think people understand like digital supply. Where's the rarity? Where's um, you know, different things like that. So I, I do think older people are going to have difficulty understanding this. But the other thing on the blockchain side of it is I really came into this first with CryptoKitties. And that was so popular that it actually bogged down the entire um, Ethereum blockchain. And I, I feel like the, the really interesting thing here is that, um, you know, with with blockchain technology, one thing people have been really searching for is that killer application. What is that thing? What is that Pokemon? What is that, um, you know, must-do thing that would require the blockchain? And, you know, obviously there's, like, financial transactions, stuff like that. But once the blockchain is powering things like, you know... NBA Top Shots and different things like that. I think it uh, it it'll make it it'll it'll make it much more valuable and interesting too, just well, as an economy. Yeah, and also like the same company that's doing NBA, they're getting to UFC, they're getting into hmm. um, Doctor Seuss for one for some reason is on their hmm. list. I don't know what they're going to do with that, Dr. but that's Seuss. there. I'm sure they're going to make partnerships with like MLB, you know, NHL, NFL. But like one of the other interesting things is like with NFTs. Like, for us as artists, like, what we could do is, like, create tracks, like, limited edition tracks of, like, our comedy or songs or whatever it is that we're doing and put those out. And then people can trade that shit. Hmm. And then it'll go up in value. So you take a – and then what you do is that you you take, like, a – like, I think Mark Cuban basically did this. He just created his own, like, cameo.com, said something for, like, a minute, oh. threw it on an NFT, threw it out into the world, and then uh, put a stipulation on the, in the Ethereum contract that, like, he gets, like, a kickback for every time it trades – yeah. And as it goes up in value, he just keeps breaking in more money. And obviously, yeah. you know, 
and people care more about what Mark Cuban has to say than me. But like, you understand, <laughs> you know, but like art, like artists as they, you know, like Beyonce or Taylor Swift, like Taylor Swift could put a song on the NFT, like associated with the NFT and you could like own a Taylor Swift song or whatever. Huh. It's like I, I think... own Cardigan or some shit. Yeah. And it, I don't it think... would go for so much money. Yeah, probably. I don't think comedians should do it. Like they're already a lot of comedians are fragile human beings that would totally tank their ego if they were if they were getting traded. Oh man, you got to uh <laughs> it would suck. It would suck. It's like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm worth less." Exactly. Can you imagine? I'm worth less than name, you know, whatever. Well, you know what? Literally any comedian I could name that you would recognize, I am worth less than them. So <laughs> it's hard for me. I can't say anything. <laughs> Okay, well, thank thank you for that uh, detailed explanation, Leonard. I'm sure we will be learning more and more about these non fungible tokens. I'm certainly going to look it up. Like outside of CryptoKitties, I hadn't kept track at all, but this this shit is getting crazy now. It's fascinating. The NBA thing is fascinating. Like yeah. this, just the, the the amount has gone up. Like I could have bought some for like ten dollars, and it would be worth hundreds now. Mm. Just did, I didn't think it would be this crazy. I'm having a lot of trouble taking you seriously when you're look like a kitty and drinking red wine. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, it's Sunday. This is what I do. I dress like a cat and drink red wine. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Um, Let's head on to our next hot topic. This this hot topic gets a little bit more serious, and I call this segment. what am I going to call? It? It's so tough when it's not a funny segment. But okay, let's let's call this this segment. Um, it wasn't me. Um, and this is about uh, Chris Delia, uh, who was accused of sexual misconduct. Um, he sort of took a self-imposed sabbatical for eight months. He is back with a YouTube video titled "It's Been a While," um, and he's just you know he's addressing those allegations. Uh, this is the first time he's spoken on it. Before, when people were accusing him, he mainly just. Um, he mainly just put out a statement saying everything he did was legal and consensual, but he never came out and spoke about it. So this is really the first time we're hearing from him. It's like a 10-minute video. Um, it, I don't know. The situation's tough. It's tough for me for two reasons. One is, you know, like most comedians, there's sort of like this not this like unwritten code to not speak about other comedians um and then on the other hand too a lot of this is around like um you know you know it is about his viewpoints on 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 sex and you know as a gay man you know there there is a very different um sexual identity and sort of what the sexual norms are in the gay community is like different than in in the straight community so this is a really interesting one for me um, number one, you know, I, I will say like his, the allegations were around him um, grooming underage girls on social media and through email. Um, people started posting uh, text DMs and emails and accusing him of grooming them. Um, he's come out and said that it's all been consensual. He is not admitting to, uh, to grooming or having sex with anybody underage, but he has admitted to being like too over the top with his sexual endeavors, cheating on his fiance, um, different things like that. And, um, it's, 
I, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of tough because, you know, you, you definitely want to want to believe the victims, support the victims. But as of yet, nobody has come out and like laid charges or even gone to the Los Angeles police. This this has mainly been on Twitter. Um, so it's. I don't know. It's 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 kind of hard. He's he's more been coming out talking about how you know he has sex with people in each town and he's addicted to sex and he's trying to get better, and you know that seems to be more accepted for rock and roll artists um, than than for comedians. But you know these are serious allegations. But also I I don't I don't know how how, how do you feel about this because these are, these are really serious. Um, but it's 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 tough when they're coming from anonymous people on Twitter. But on the other hand, you have to acknowledge that there's a system of shaming people who come out publicly and put their name on it. So I I can't even blame the victims and say, well, you should put your name on it and charge them, um, or or you know, or or stop accusing them because we all know people get shamed when they come out, and usually the perpetrators get away with it anyway. But on the other hand, you know. It, it, you know, for him, there nobody's put out. Well, they have put out proof, but it's 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 on Twitter. I I, I don't really know. This is this is very confusing to me. I usually don't have sympathy for straight white guys, but I, I don't really know what you think of this whole situation. Let's uh, let's open it up to the panel. What do you think of Chris Delia and his? It's been a while. Um, do you agree that it's been a while, or do you think it's been not long enough? <laughs> it's been not long enough, man. First of all, I watched that that his thing, and I was like, "Oof, that was not a tight set." And <laughs> and uh, yeah, man. The thing about Crystalia is, I've been hearing about him for a long ass time, years, years and years and years. I've been hearing about him. Like I like I have friends who are like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." Like Crystalia totally like hit on like my 16 year old friend totally invited a 15 year old out to a thing totally did this like one another comedian in the toronto scene like crystalia asked her to his hotel room immediately just texted her and and she was just like you know maybe i shouldn't have gone she didn't go to the hotel room she went to the bar basically put all the she actually put all like everything she drank on his bill then left Mm. which is so she didn't actually go up but because she was like ah fuck this dude like because like he, he she was like oh like maybe he actually wants to talk but of course she's like a, a girl in her early 20s you think he's really asking you to a bar to talk you know it's and it's crystalia there's <laughs> just so many rumors about this dude and now that they're all true for the most part i mean it was yeah it's it's hugely problematic like it's a but the thing is like he'll probably come back mm-hmm. that's the most annoying part Yep. Is that like nobody gets punished anymore for doing shit things? Nope. You know, like Louis C.K. is back essentially, and yeah, he acknowledged that what he did was wrong. Sure, sure, sure. But he's back, and he's gonna be fine. Chris D'Elia will probably be back. And he played two pedophiles in two different TV shows. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Was hiding yeah. in plain sight. Uh-huh. And he's Justin Bieber's favorite comic, so I think that says uh-huh. everything you need to know. <laughs> I I don't I don't know like I I don't want to be an apologist I I I hadn't heard of those um those uh those those accounts um so that's definitely shedding some new light and maybe changing my opinion but uh Veronica what what do you think of this whole thing we we all know like listen a predatory straight white guy stand up comedian is not 
really news in the stand-up community. Like there's there's so many. So many. Yeah. If they were an NBA top shot, they would, would be yeah. considered a common card. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> got him, got him, got him. <laughs> yeah. Well, as the only woman on this panel, I will say that, okay, this is why a 20-year-old comedian especially is going to meet up with Christelia in a bar because no matter what, a woman is going to not think the worst of a man, unfortunately. If we if we went with all the things that you, we thought we were going to do against us, then we would never see men at all. Um, so I understand that. And also, come on, like what's on the top of every girl's list? They want a guy who's funny. So you see this guy, especially if they're a loser in real life and they're like a successful comedian... <laughs> They're like, oh, they're so funny. And the fact that they seem semi-celebrity or celebrity is appealing. So, you know, if he shows interest to you on um if she so if he shows interest in you, especially when you're young and impressionable, it feels special. I mean, it is predatory, but <sighs> there's just so many men like this. The fact that he he's a, a comedian and it it sort of puts them in that celebrity category makes young girls more susceptible. I will say that it's, this is not an unusual thing. Like, I mean, when I was 15, I had 27 year olds not caring that I was 15. And then it's like so many, so many times. So I don't know. It's, it's gross. It's going to keep happening, unfortunately. And what do you do? I, tell the girls to not trust anybody. I don't know what to do. He's a, he's a creep. I watched that video and I was like, you're just doing this video because you must have something that you're planning. It's like some comeback or some series you're going to be on. I don't know. Gross. That's my final word for that. <laughs> yeah. Gross. You know, I, I will say I was on the fence, but I think both of you guys have convinced me. Uh, otherwise I, I was certainly given the benefit of the doubt. Um, but, uh, maybe that was being too generous. So, yeah. uh, I mean, here's the thing. like he did it. It's not like it was like, he did it one time and it's like, ah, shit, I fucked up. He did it like hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did it so much. <laughs> he can't be like, yeah, I didn't know it was wrong after the 97th time I yeah. groomed an underage girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say for me, it's it's specifically the underage thing. For me, it's yep. definitely just the underage thing. Um, I, I think the whole thing of, you know, I know people were getting on about like the power dynamics of like sleeping with somebody who is a fan of yours. And I, I was like, you know, groupies and rock and roll have been around for like forever. Like, I, I, don't, I don't really see that angle of it, you know, being no, a sex addict or groupies. I think but, if, it's, if it's a groupie or a fan, they're getting something out of it because they want that. Yeah. Right? So that's fine. But it's, I don't know, it's not the same. Yeah, for for me, it's specifically the underage. The underage, yeah. oh, wow. I I yeah, it's it, it, it's it's pretty sad. I, you know, you Good know, to know I, where the line is. Yeah, I listen. I don't know what happens in the ghetto. Uh, <laughs> no, listen, <laughs> listen. If if somebody wants to go around touring and being like a giant hoe, um, I feel like that's totally. Fine, like that's basically like the gay tennis tour. <laughs> like you just go to every city and just be a giant host. So I don't, I don't really know that I can be like mad at somebody for that. To me, it is just the underage thing, and 
you know, I, I, I do wish that there were like actual charges being pressed. It, it is tough when it's just all out there on, on Twitter. But like I said, I do understand the system is against the accuser. So I will also never, you know, be mad at somebody for not coming forward because you're just going to get publicly publicly slut-shamed and then the uh, person you're accusing gets away with it anyway. So I don't know. It is it it is what it is. But yeah, it, it won't even matter. He'll, he'll, he'll be back. He already is back. He's probably going to start up his podcast again next week. Um, uh, yep. <laughs> um, That's what it looked like. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, transitioning to our uh, next hot topic, um, I'm gonna call this. <laughs> I'm gonna call this segment uh, "Is You For Real?" And this is about these two women in Florida who uh, I don't know posed as grandmas <laughs> so they could like skip the line and get their vaccine. Um, but they were caught, they were caught on video, they were being like admonished by the security there, uh, they were, uh, they were, um, they were uh, threatened or warned with with trespassing, um, and uh, their name is now in the registry, so they they can't get um, they officially can't get their uh, their vaccine until it's actually their turn. But you know, I, I don't. This this whole situation is is so weird. Um, let's go to Veronica. You've you've seen this video. What what are your thoughts on these fake grannies? And of course, it happened in, in Florida because where else is this shit gonna happen? Where you know what? It's just like so ridiculous. So when I so when I read it, I didn't see the video. I read it first, and I thought, okay, well, let's give them a chance. Let's like let's look at their disguises. And literally all they did was they put on gloves and a bonnet and a robe or something. And I was like, so so now you're a granny? Like, how how is that going to fool anybody? Like, gloves, a bonnet, and a robe. I don't, I just don't understand, like, how you're, they're rolling up your sleeve. They're going to see that you have, you're not, a, it's not a geriatric arm. Like, I can't even give them A for effort. It was, it, they thought they were going to a costume party instead of going for a vaccine. It was just, I, ladies, I mean, you oh could have Lord. at least tried to not dye your hair. I don't know. It was an awful, just everybody go look at the video because it's honestly the, they were 34 and 44. I, a bonnet's not going to do it. It's just. <laughs> It was. Just, it's too funny to not to not even talk about. I would have just given them the vaccine for just because it was so ridiculous. No, no, I would not have given them the vaccine. No, 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 no. no. Let's let's head no, to. No, you uh, give them COVID. <laughs> oh, no. You're like, hey, you're young. You'll survive this. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. They might as well have shown up with like glasses with a mustache. You know. <laughs> yeah. But it's a gray mustache, so I'm old. <laughs> old. Yeah, listen, yeah. listen I, I do think what they did is 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 dumb. The costumes are just ridiculous. They're going to be ridiculed for the rest of their lives for this. But I will say, I still have more respect for them than I have for anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers because at least they <laughs> believe. Trying. They listen. They're privileged. They feel like they deserve something. They want to skip the line, but. 
you know, them getting a vaccine is actually still less harmful than people who go around not wearing a mask and uh, and don't believe in COVID. So it's like I'm mad at them. This whole thing's ridiculous. But I, I'm still saving most of my hatred for the anti-vaxxers um, and the anti-maskers. Which is worse? Which is worse? I, 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 I'm pretty sure I, I know what your answer is going to be. But these two women dressing up as old people to try to get the vaccine or a billionaire flying to the Yukon... <laughs> Oh God! Oh, uh, definitely I mean, the he, billionaire. He had the wherewithal to. He, I mean, he put in the effort to charter a plane <laughs> and steal uh, a vaccine from the indigenous. Yeah, you know, as white people are wont to do. He uh, wins. Yeah, uh, I, I think that one's worse. What was he like? Some CEO of like a casino or some stupid shit? Like it was, <clears throat> or like a wealth fund? I don't know. I that one was just really ridiculous because that's a remote community and they're further away from health resources and you're like a billion it's it's just ridiculous um but i don't know at least he lost his job um and was publicly shamed so um it's about the only thing you can do to billionaires like publicly shame them. I'm sure they don't really care because they can like cry and wipe away their tears with their billions of dollars. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't really know how much it affects them, but you know, definitely the type of person who's so rich that he like works for fun instead of for necessity. So I don't know. I don't know. This whole, this whole thing is, is crazy, but like I said, on the positive side, at least they believe that COVID is real. And that is something. Um, other, I mean, especially for Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like originally I was going to title this segment, uh, These Be Some Dumb Bitches. But then I was like, wait, they believe in COVID. So they'll get, they'll get the uh, Is You For Real <laughs> segment title this week. Um, okay, uh, moving on to our next hot topic. And this segment, which has been a recurring weekly segment, is called This Ho Getting On My Last Nerve. And this week's <laughs> ho getting on my last nerve is, of course, Ted Cancun Cruz, who has been in the news all week because, you know, last week we covered the Texas freeze and all the drama that's happening there. The power grid went out. Power, you know, uh, costs went up uh, like uh, eleven thousand um, percent. Is everything's crazy? And then he has the nerve to go down to Cancun with his family. Um, you know, like he's really representing his people. He's not helping them at all. You know, this has taken some turns. You know, he's been publicly shamed to come back. Um, but then he was giving excuses. He said he only went down there to drop off his daughters, even though he was like had more luggage than friggin' RuPaul for Fashion Week. <laughs> <laughs> and this, you know, first of all, this hoe is like blaming his daughters, which is like ridiculous. Um, and then, <laughs> and then him and his wife, uh, he and his wife started to like blame their daughters' friends for like encouraging them saying it came from that so then their daughter's friends parents was like oh hell no bitch you are not throwing my kids under the bus so then they leaked the text messages from ted cruz's wife um that basically showed you the mastermind behind all of this and all i gotta say is like oh wow blaming your daughters and yeah, I can't even give Ted Cruz credit. Like, because this is the first time he's ever 
like defended his wife. I, I swear to God, this is the same guy who <laughs> let Donald Trump call his wife ugly without defending her. And now of all times, the only time he defends his wife is when it's used to like throw his daughters under the bus. It's like, oh, okay, like- I guess at least his wife has more value to him because she can give him a blowjob. I don't fucking know. But it's like the first time he's actually defended her. This whole situation is ridiculous. Oh, and one final thing. So this hoe comes back after this whole drama and, you know, he's been complaining he's not getting enough good PR um, for the good things he's done for Texans. So now he started he started tweeting out photos of himself handing people water bottles because the press wasn't covering it. I imagine. (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, why is why is nobody covering all my good deeds? So he just started tweeting this shit out himself. It's so ridiculous. Um, I'll I'll open it up to to the panel. What are your thoughts on this? hoe? is he getting on your nerves as much as he's getting on mine? Yeah, man. Degris is the worst. He's the worst cruise since the Titanic. Like, he's so bad. <laughs> right? Like, it's crazy. And, like, the fact that he tried to deflect blame to his family, which is not Like, I understand family is important, but your state's in the middle of a goddamn disaster. Right? And based on what we know of your biology, you could have chosen another time to go someplace warm to bury your egg pods. Okay, Ted? <laughs> it's nuts. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. This is the thing. Like, how awful is Ted Cruz that he abandoned his state during, like, one of the worst disasters uh, in history? And it's still not the worst thing he's done so far this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, he was up in the, on the Senate floor, like, talking to the electoral vote and how it was, like, fraud and whatever and caused, like, insurrection. Like, he, like, this is, like, he's, he caused an insurrection a month ago and now he's doing this. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And then, of course, like, a lot of people who are defending him, because Republicans will just defend Republicans for the sake of it, they're like, well, what do you want him to do? Like, what was he supposed to do? And it's like, well, you know, Stay like, home. yeah, not go to Cancun and violate travel restrictions. Like, Democrats like AOC and Beto are, like, raising money and, like, organizing check-ins on the elderly. So clearly there were better examples, like, like better options for you than abandonment. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! How do these people get votes? They don't understand. I don't it's understand. It's the water. They're, that's all that matters. They're tribal, man. Like, yeah. And like, and, and thing, it's crazy because like AOC and Beto went down to help, and like Republicans are like, well, they're just doing it for show, and it's like, yeah, but shouldn't people be rewarded for doing things that are nice? Like leaving during the pandemic, it's like, well, he clearly isn't doing that for show, so he's real. I like him. He's I too would escape to Mexico if I could. Fuck all y'all. Ah, that's a politician I can trust. At, at least he's consistent. Uh, man, I'm so glad he left Canada. He's not ours anymore. Oh Four yeah, years, he's he's from he's, he's he's originally from Calgary. I have a lot of experience. I actually went to the University of Calgary, so I know a lot about Calgarians. And he. I, I, this is going to lose me some Calgary fans, but he is fairly <laughs> typical for a Calgarian. I'm, I'm not surprised at his um, 
at his behavior. And oh, and then yeah. to, to top it off, he left his dog Snowflake um, freezing. <laughs> and this photo of this dog is like the most heartbreaking. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like this poor dog in a window. Um, you know, they're coming back now and saying, oh, we didn't abandon the dog. We um, left him with security. <laughs> but <laughs> like... The dog was alone for most of the day. Like, sure, maybe security came to, like, feed him, like, once a day or some shit. But, like, uh, the whole house is frozen. It's, it's a frozen house. And, and you left this dog. It's uh. Yeah, that was not a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and then also also to, to name your dog Snowflake is obnoxious. Snowflake. It, it's the worst thing named Snowflake since uh, since Marvel Comics came out with that uh, that their first trans superhero and, and named them Snowflake. Oh God! Yeah, so just uh, people stop naming things Snowflake. This is not gonna end yeah. well. Would have been worse if they called them like Switchblade or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, no, Snowflake, not a good name. Let's not try to reclaim that word. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'll say this like, in Ted Cruz's defense, he probably left the state. Like, so many Texans didn't have like, electricity. But he's probably like, no, I know my state well. We have so much white power. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and the, it's so funny, like, this week, you know, I, I it did trend toward Ted Cruz, so I had to choose him as, like, this Hogan on my last nerve, but there's so many people, Jerry Jones, you know, billionaire owner of the Dallas Cowboys, one of his, like, oil associates came out and said that, like, oil companies have basically, quote-unquote, hit the jackpot during, during this, uh, during this blackout. Um, they've raised, uh, so Jerry Jones himself has raised his natural gas prices by like a thousand percent. And this is ridiculous because he took in like 300 something million dollars to help pay for his, um, for Dallas Cowboy Stadium. And like, then he gouges people. So he like takes tax dollars and then gouges the citizens of Texas when he gets a chance. All the while his associate is cackling like the wicked witch of the West saying, they hit the jackpot like one more jackpot do you need you're like a billionaire oh my god so, so he's the debbie that fucked dallas yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then one other hoe from that that is annoying me is there's like this mayor who i forget which which city in texas he came out put out this ridiculous statement he's had to resign because he basically said you know the government don't owe you shit you should have had a backup plan it's survival of the fittest like literally and this sounds like i'm paraphrasing but i'm not he literally said these things he literally said it's survival of the fittest you need to like know how to provide for your family and the government doesn't owe you shit I was like, okay, like, why would you even run for office if you believe this? Why, why are you the mayor if you're so heartless? I don't understand. Yeah. Also, like, he was like, the government doesn't know anything. The power company doesn't know anything. It's like, hold up, we're paying you money. You owe us things. We're paying you taxes. We're paying like our hydro bill. You actually owe us things. Like, how? Like, are you going to give us a rebate on all this shit when we die? It's yeah, but at least that mayor, unlike Ted Cruz, had the moral compass to resign of his own free will. 
instead of sticking around like a goddamn parasite. What? But Ted handed out water, don't forget. Ted oh, handed out I mean, water. He's like throwing paper towels at Puerto Ricans. That's basically <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, uh, hopefully we never have to talk about Ted Cruz again, but I imagine he's going to do something else yeah. ridiculous next week. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Ted's, we, Ted, we're not mad that you went to Mexico. We're mad that you came back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Now, uh, moving on to a much better topic, and this segment I like to title You Go Girl and it is our you know successful Asian of the week and this week's successful Asian is Naomi Osaka who just won the Australian Open she's only 23 years old um she uh she plays for Japan she um She's won four Grand Slams. She's 4-0 in Grand Slam finals. And these are some of the most dramatic, uh, difficult Grand Slam final conditions in history. And like, So this Grand Slam, she had to you know, play during a pandemic, of course, and they were quarantined for two weeks before they got on the court. Um, in the U.S. Open, uh, she had to play that in the middle of the Black Lives Matter movement, and she really spoke out um for 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 black rights she her father is haitian so she is half japanese and and half haitian so she came out each match she wore a um she wore the name of of somebody who's been killed by by the police um in, in the US uh killed or shot by the police and so she uh she's been doing a lot her her second grand slam um, a couple of years ago, she had to overcome, you know, the second set meltdown, gather herself together, then win in the third. Um, three of her four Grand Slams, she had to beat uh, multi-time Grand Slam winners just in the finals. Um, and she wasn't the favorite in at least two of these Grand Slams. And of course, her very first Grand Slam, she had to beat Serena Williams in one of the craziest scenes. People were booing like crazy because people thought the match was stolen from Serena. And through all of this, through all of this, she has shown such grace. She's really grown up before our eyes. Um, she is a role model to all Asians, I, I think, hopefully. Um, she She's now the top-earning um, female, uh, female athlete in the world. Um, she's basically going to be the face of the Japanese Olympics um, or, or the Japan Olympics, if they happen this year or next year, whatever. I imagine she'll be the flag bearer. She's huge. Um, she's really earned it. Uh, before her success in tennis, she had a lot of flack um, from, you know, from her own family and other people in Japan because biracial relationships are not uh, looked upon very well in Japan. And parts of her family actually, you know, I, I, I believe the story is like they actually disowned her. It's part of the reason why her mom left Japan when she was three and came to the United States for like a more accepting society. And you know, I will say, you know, those family members probably feel pretty damn stupid to disown somebody who became a superstar. Uh, but you know, I, I will just say, you know, Naomi Osaka, she is an inspiration um, to to us all, and uh, she's definitely she's definitely bringing honor to us all. Uh, let's head over to uh, to Veronica. What what are your thoughts? You are the mother of biracial children. How how has uh, Naomi Osaka um, affected you and your children? I mean, so I'm I've shown my daughter 
specifically pictures of Naomi Osaka. Like, I'm not a tennis fan, but I'm like, hey, look, she, you know, same, half Asian, half black. So I, I try to give her that to aspire to. Um, but I will say the whole being basically just... <laughs> You're out of the family because you're biracial. I definitely feel like that's something so familiar. And the in my family, the touching of the hair, it's like, why is their hair so curly? I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? It's they're half black. I I mean, her family might be coming around now, but I actually wouldn't be surprised if she's she's still basically denounced from the family. It's it's just such a cultural, like the colorism within Asian families is so real. I mean, I was already there by being the darkest in my family. So to have like two kids that are biracial, um, it's, it's something, yeah, it's, I'm not surprised. That's, that's the short of it. I'm not surprised. Good for her for earning all those millions. She can buy herself a new family. And she doesn't have to worry about the family in Japan and to the family in Japan who are probably trying to own her now and say, yeah, she's our niece or whatever. You're like, just, you know, F off. F off. Good for you, Naomi. Good for you. Yeah, I, I will say, I, I, I don't know how the situation is with her family, but I do know she is making some inroads to Japan because for them to embrace as their symbol, especially in an in Olympic year, elevating her as like their national symbol and the person to possibly um, be the flag bearer, for them to elevate somebody who's biracial, that's really huge for Japan. And sure. you know, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna make this all about me because like most comedians, I'm like egocentric. <laughs> but it actually reminds me of so you know when, when I was growing up in in the ghetto. In the uh, ghetto? <laughs> You know, there was nobody who was out in the Lao community. Um, and, you know, because they had so much success um, growing up, I was in the newspaper a lot for winning, like, a lot of awards, you know, for such uh, esteemed things as, like, the Winnipeg Typing Champion and other similarly, like, uh, <laughs> crazy, awesome titles that I totally brag about to this day. Um, but, yeah, so I was in the newspaper a lot. So um, my community really held me up. But this was before they knew I was gay. But then when I came out, it sort of helped other people come out because they couldn't just be like, you know, oh, gay people are terrible because they knew me and they didn't want to let go of the success. So they had to put up with the gayness. And I feel like it's the same thing with like Naomi. You can't be like, we hate like, you know, half black people, but then like she's like kicking ass and she's winning uh, medals for our country. So, uh, you know, maybe their need for success on the world stage um will overcome their inherent uh, anti-black racism, which is, of course, very prevalent in Asia. Um, let, let's head over to, uh, to Leonard. Do you have any thoughts about uh, Miss Naomi Osaka? <coughs> I think it's great. Um, I'll be honest, though. I don't really pay a lot of attention to tennis. Uh, <laughs> we have not made a uh, NFT based on tennis plays, so I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I will say, like, Naomi, even outside of tennis, like, she's she's basically a marketer's dream. Like, she's so humble. The way that she handled that Serena Williams situation, um, or I won't call it the Serena Williams situation, because I, I actually don't blame Serena Williams. I blame the, the, the chair umpire. That's a whole other thing. Um, but... Uh, 
the way she handled that with so much grace being booed by like 20,000 people when you're like 20 years old. Um, and she was just so graceful about everything. Um, and now the way she's grown and she keeps winning and she is the next dominant tennis force for the next uh, at least decade. This girl, these skills. Wow. Like she like she hasn't won easy. Like she had to beat Serena Williams in New York, and then she had to beat Serena again in Australia. And, like, these matches were not close. Like, she, like, basically, like, almost in just an hour, she's, like, whipping the last champion, like, straight off the course and making, honestly, making Serena look like she doesn't even belong on a court with her. Like, this girl is something else. Should I teach my daughter tennis? (laughs) 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 Definitely, it's it's it's, it's a great it's sport all golf. around. Golf, golf, yeah, tennis or golf. I mean, yeah. all, the, all the white sports. Let's infiltrate. <laughs> I'm gonna. Get, that's it. I'm going with my kids. We're infiltrating all the whites. You know what I'm gonna do? Specifically, polo, and with the oh. last name Antipolo, I'm gonna make them infiltrate. <laughs> <laughs> Antipolo. She could change her name to Pro Polo. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh okay uh thank you for uh for your thoughts on naomi osaka let's uh let's hope she uh continues her success and uh gets back to number one very soon okay so in our final segment of the week we always review an asian movie of the week and this week's asian movie of the week is international blockbuster detective chinatown and i will say uh i only heard about this last week because detective chinatown part three which was just released has grossed like more than half a billion dollars i think over 600 million dollars now in china alone yeah in China, million opening weekend. Wow! Yeah, this shit is crazy. The Chinese box office nice. is back. This is the highest domestic um, uh, opening anywhere. This is bigger than how much Star Wars opened in the U.S. So China is right now the number one domestic market in the world. And even once the U.S. and everything else reopens, I'm not sure if the U.S. will ever take back that title. Because not only did Detective Chinatown 3 open with that much, but uh, another movie called Hi Mom also opened the same lunar weekend also uh, and made over $300 million. So this is... Hmm. This is just crazy. Um, but anyways, that's part three. We're not reviewing part three because it is not available unless you are in China. So we are reviewing part one because I had never watched part one. So um, just just a bit of background here. Uh, Detective Chinatown. It was directed by Chen Si Cheng, uh, starring Wang Bao Chang, Liu Haoran, Tong Li Ya and Chen He, um, and it's it, it, it's it's a movie that it's it's about a young wannabe detective who uh, from China who ends up in Thailand with his uncle after being rejected from police college. Now um, his uncle then gets wrongly accused of murder, and they have to race against time to solve the mystery who is of who is actually behind the crime. Now. This this movie was super interesting for me. Number one, the fact that it was a Chinese movie set in Thailand was a little bit bananas. Um, I, it was it was a comedy. It was super fun. But what really threw me at first was they were flipping between Mandarin and Thai 
Um, which is really weird because, like, I, I understand Thai, obviously, more than I understand Mandarin. And it was just, I've never actually heard people, like, flip back and forth between Thai and Mandarin before. And then sometimes, uh, the weirdest thing, I was like, I don't know if this is Thai or Mandarin because I feel like it was, like, Thai spoken with a Mandarin accent, which I have definitely never heard before either. It was, it was just really surreal, um... But you know, I I I thought it was I thought it was it, it was pretty great. I'll I'll give my full thoughts um um a little bit later. But let's open it up to our panel for now, and uh, let's go over to our resident writer Leonard. And uh, what did you think of Detective Chinatown? <coughs> it was bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> it was bonkers, but in like a good way. Like I was like, I don't know why anything's happening, but it, like it kind of tracks weirdly. Um, they had this, like, the, the two main characters had, like, this weird odd couple thing, which is what you want for every... It's a buddy comedy, basically. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's like Sherlock and Watson, except, in this case, Sherlock is an autistic Asian man, and Watson is uh, a degenerate. <laughs> basically, <laughs> the best way to describe it. But, like, you know, from, like, a writing perspective, it was, it was great. Like, uh, I mean, it had a story, everything pushed forward. You know, they had planned like they they you know obstacles kept escalating and there was like a whole mystery and like it was good it was well done like i can see why it did well and i can see why if they continue this like it would continue to do well like and why detective chinatown 3 which by the way i also had never heard of made 400 million dollars in his opening weekend in china during a during a pandemic by the way mm-hmm. like this these are theaters that are open in china um, so we can only assume that they have things under control or a lot of people are dying and we're not hearing about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, let's head over to Ronica. <coughs> what, what were your thoughts about the movie, the themes that it covered? Definitely a buddy movie. It's like, I feel like it's going to get redone in North America. So it'll be Franco and Rogan. No, they're too old now. Who are the new, who's the, who's the new buddy couple in the movies today and i sound like such an old person i should be the granny getting a shot but yeah it's <laughs> definitely a buddy comedy it was just like light um i mean there was nothing or we're talking theme there's no real theme they're just trying to solve a thing and they have these funny scenes and i mean it was it was fun it was like if i'm gonna sit down and get completely drunk and watch it i would totally enjoy it it's not it's not. It's like I would spend money probably, especially during the pandemic, if it was. What's it called? Uh, what's this movie called again? I don't Detective even remember. Chinatown. <laughs> <laughs> Detective Chinatown. Is, is, is everything okay, Veronica? <laughs> should we? Should we? That's how. That's... <laughs> on this on this week's segment of Help a Bitch Out. Uh, what, what's... That's how much of an impact you okay, have? <laughs> I love, I love this new segment. Help a bitch out. Oh, that's just every week. Honestly, every week or now on in this podcast, we should just have Veronica just have a problem. Like, Yo, let's help a bitch out. Let's help a bitch out. And also, okay, I think what affected also me and my watching of this movie is that I watched it um, in in higher speed because I was like, it's two hours. Oh my god, it was already insane watching that. Oh my god, it's like that scene where he's he's watching the video thing. He's like, faster, 
That's exactly, yeah. Yeah. Are imitating life. Like you're literally. Exactly. It just needed like that cartoon music. That's what I felt like this movie was. But I mean, I, I, I'll. Here's what I predict. I think we're going to see this movie made um, in Hollywood when it's open up again with whatever two new buddies there are on the Hollywood scene. Not Rogan and Franco because they're too old. I've already predicted that. But whoever like the new young stoners are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I had a lot of fun with this movie. I, it, w- it was refreshing and it was... It was it was uniquely Asian, which is which is what I, I really liked. You could tell this was produced, you know, by a Chinese company, because um, this type of movie I don't think would be made in 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 North America. Number one, it had sort of a bittersweet ending. It wasn't like super happy, so it was like you know. Uh, I, yeah, I, I do think the Sherlock Holmes comparison, they, they reference Sherlock Holmes a few times, um, is is definitely apt. Uh, one thing I, I love was like the, the chemistry between the lead character and his uncle, um, but it was really great. I really liked the lead character. They gave him like, like he was likable and you cheered for him, but he also had flaws. Like, you know, like his answer to the Academy that got him kicked out. Um, was that he, uh, people asked him why he wanted to to be in the police um, the police college, and he said so he could one day uh, <laughs> he could one day uh, commit the perfect crime. So he's he's like a little bit <laughs> twisted, and I love that he's not very nice to his uncle. He just like says it like he feels, and you know, like Leonard mentioned, you know, he might be autistic, but I, I actually don't think he was. I think he was just like Asian blunt. Like he was just he would just say <laughs> things like so brutal, so savage in a way that I'm not sure you can get away with. Um mm. in North American cinema. And that's actually what's uniquely Asian about it because I do feel like when I'm around my Asian friends and family they they do just have more license to be extremely brutal and savage with their opinions. And I sort of mm-hmm. like that that showed through because that is a part of Asian culture um, and, and a big difference between North American culture, which is funny because North Americans have this idea that like Asians are like demure and nice and everything. But actually, no, like being nice is definitely more of a North American <laughs> value, I think. Uh, Asians don't strive to be nice. Like if if you call, <laughs> you know, I've said this before because I used to live in in Calgary, and like the meanest thing you could tell a white person is that they're not nice. And like if you tell that to an Asian, they're like, yeah, so what? So it's like I like that that was represented in this movie. Um, I also like that for a comedy. Yes, it was two hours, but they actually took the time to develop the characters and give them proper motivations. They had like a whole backstory. They had flashbacks. And even though some of like the plot contrivances um, didn't quite make sense, the character motivations did. And for me, like if you're going to have to sacrifice something, I would rather sacrifice plot convenience, but the motivations make sense versus like, making the motivations have to fit the plot. So, you know, I I know as, as writers, sometimes people have to like balance those two. Obviously the best writers can do it so they don't have to sacrifice either. But I do like that they maintained like narrative integrity and the motivations and yeah, definitely their backgrounds, like even the villain got like, 
like it makes sense why the villain would do what they did. Um, it makes <laughs> sense why you know they even gave the backstory of why the uncle moved to China in the first place, which is something they probably didn't have to do. So it just mm-hmm. it was it was really complex. I do think, in one word, it's the movie is bonkers. I think Leonard had that right. It is. Um, and so, you know, uh, let, let's wrap up the, this review. So, um, Veronica, you weren't here last week. We have this new scoring system, and you'll 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 see what it is in just a minute. But so, um, uh, answer the scoring system. There's one of yes. two scores you can give, but then also give one reason why. So let's okay. let's let's start with Veronica. So Veronica, um, our mm. scoring system mm. goes: uh, Does Detective Chinatown bring honor to us all, or does it bring shame to our ancestors? And one reason why? I, just the fact that it's been a blockbuster hit, it brings <laughs> honor. That's and that's <laughs> the only reason. It's not my favorite genre of movie in general. So that's probably why I'm biased. I'm like a buddy movie, whatever, you know. But I would rather, I'm going to get so much heat for this, but I'd rather watch Britney Spears' Crossroads movie than this. What? <laughs> I feel like because of that, I, I think you, you have to change your answer to do it brings shame to I our do, ancestors. I do. Which is okay. It's okay if you didn't enjoy it. Yeah. No, I, I, I will still give it, I will still score it high for the fact that it's a blockbuster. But for me personally, it's not my genre. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm. By the way, the one of those villains, he died. Um, Zhao Yingzhen, the guy with the afro, he just died, like, very recently. Oh, oh no. that sucks. Mm. Yeah. It's like Asian Nals again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one thing I'll say is, uh, unfortunately for for you, Veronica, we're probably going to be reviewing the whole trilogy um, over over the next oh, week. Sh- I, I will say, if if uh, maybe try watching it with your kids, I feel like this is a family thing that would uh, you know, and watch it in one one to one speed might also might also help as well. Maybe it's so <laughs> bonkers. Maybe even watch it at half speed. To be honest, this, this shit is crazy. Um, now let's uh, let's go to to Leonard and Leonard. Same question to you: Does Detective Chinatown bring shame to our ancestors, or does it bring honor to us all? Oh, man, like Veronica stole my answer, man. It brings honor because look how much money you brought in, and Asians love money. <laughs> That's yeah. as good a reason as any. Well, uh, thank you for thank you for that review. Um, Thank you for the show. I want to thank uh, everybody who is listening to the podcast. Um, we will be back here next week with another episode. Uh, this has been Rice Asian Comedy Podcast. I'm your host, Vong Show, official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians. And that's what's up.